a series that we started uh, shortly at, in the new year called The Reveal. This is our epiphany series where we look at, at primarily the Gospel of Matthew over these few weeks of looking at what Jesus is revealing to us, not only about who he is and what his kingdom is all about, but also um, who we are in light of that and, and the invitations and the promises that he gives to us. And so he's, he's revealing to us. That's really what an epiphany is, is having something revealed to you, having something shown to you. And so we've been following Jesus and, and really just asking the question, okay, Jesus, what are you showing us? What are you opening our eyes to? What are you teaching us? What are you revealing to us? And today we look at, at what Jesus means when he talks about blessing and what it means to have the, the blessed or the good life. You know, one thing I've noticed is anytime you read the Gospels and kind of read the words of Jesus that are recorded, one thing you quickly realize is Jesus is really different than us. Like, in so many ways, like, he's the perfect son of God, and none of us are, so that's like one thing that he's got different. But on top of that, he just sees the world differently. Like, he sees it radically differently than how you and I typically perceive the world. And I think it really comes to the forefront, it really is apparent, when we think about what it means to, to be blessed, to have the blessed life. And, and really, you see that there's a big difference between our view of blessing and what Jesus means when he says, this is the blessed life. This is the good life. This is, this is the life that, that is on the right track, so to speak. I, I think for many of us, I know at least for me, maybe for you, um, when we think about what it means to be blessed, and I, I, don't, I don't know how often people do it anymore, but it was big a few years ago, and I'm always late on the trends. Um, the hashtag blessed, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody says it anymore. We've deemed that that's not cool anymore to say. But, but maybe you still put it on your social media tags, and you kind of post a picture, you share your experiences. But we have this image of what the blessed life looks like, and oftentimes it revolves around um, acquiring certain possessions, like whatever the new phone is or whatever the latest model of car or whatever the thing is, the house, the stuff. We look at the possessions we have and, and we're like, man, I want to aspire to have that. I want to I own that. And, and when I get that, then I'm blessed. Or we look at achievements. We want to go up on the ladder at work we want to be given a certain title. We want to get a degree. We want to reach a certain place of where people recognize us and see us. We want to achieve certain things, and we're like, when I, when I get there, when I achieve that, then I'm blessed. Or we look at experiences, and, and this is kind of the newer generation where um, we're some as millennials and maybe a bit younger, we may not look at stuff, but we're like, man, we want to have experiences because those are for a lifetime. And, and we go on trips and we, we do these excursions. We do these amazing things and we want to we do all those fun experiences with us and our loved ones. And, and we say when we go on those, when we get to experience those, then we're blessed. And and all of that stuff is like good stuff. None of that stuff is bad. Having stuff isn't bad. Achieving things isn't bad. Going on experiences isn't bad. Unless you're a Disney adult. That is objectively bad. All right? We need to just calm it down, Disney adults. 
all right? Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox, all right. But here's the converse of that. What happens when we don't have the stuff, but somebody else does? What happens when we try and achieve, but we fall short? What happens when, when we just aren't able to go on those experiences, but we look at other people's lives, and we, we look longingly, and we realize, man, they get to do all that fun stuff, but, but we aren't able to for whatever reason. Well, it's very quickly then to say, I'm not blessed. I'm not living the good life. I'm not in a good spot. And you see, we set our aim, we set the goal of our life to get stuff, to achieve things, to go on experiences, because that's what it means to be blessed. That's what it means to live the good life. And we set our aim on that. I set my aim on that. You set your aim on that even when we don't even realize it. One, one example of this where we kind of set our aim and it's just a part of the air we breathe is beer commercials. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched a beer commercial. Super Bowl is coming up. There's going to be a whole lot of them, all right? They're going to spend millions upon millions of dollars to have you watch beer commercials. And here's what I've thought whenever I've watched beer commercials. If I could be as happy as them in that beer commercial for like one second. <laughs> like, I don't know if you ever watched a beer commercial. Everybody's happy. They are living their best life, and it is so joy-filled. It's like, man, if I could have a taste of that, it would be amazing. Now, here's the thing. In those beer commercials, they aren't trying to sell you on beer. What are they trying to sell you on? The good life. If you have this thing, then you'll be blessed then you'll be as happy and as joy-filled as all these people. And we see it, whether it's the beer commercial or the car or whatever it is, we think once we get there or have that or experience this, then I'll be blessed. But as we read Matthew 5, and we kind of see what does Jesus mean when he says this is what it means to be blessed, he has a totally different view. He has a totally different understanding of what it means to, to be blessed, to be in the good life. So Matthew 5, Jesus is beginning what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, and he's beginning this, this teaching to his, to his disciples and to really anybody who was walking by him on the hill that day, and he's just kind of talking, and anybody could kind of listen in about how he was teaching about life and God and the kingdom and who he was. But he begins with these, these statements. We call them the Beatitudes. And really what Jesus is laying out is like, hey, Here's what it means to be blessed in God's eyes. In relation to, to God's kingdom, here's what it means to truly be blessed. And if you kind of take in these words, you'll see a theme that Jesus brings up. Oftentimes, he'll, he'll talk about the people who are blessed are the people who, who see God face to face. The people who are blessed are the ones who have received the peace of God in their hearts. The people who are blessed are the ones who have received the mercy of God. The people who are blessed are the ones who, who have, have seen that they are sons and daughters of God. In other words, if you read through the Beatitudes, the thing that Jesus wants to highlight is this, that to be blessed is to know who God is and to know that you are loved. 
by God. That's really, Jesus kind of hones in and says, you want to be blessed? Here's what it comes down to, that you know who God is and you know that he loves you. That you are connected to him. That you know him and and that you know that it's not like a relationship of like he's angry with you, he is holding judgment upon you. No, but you know that you have his approval. That you have the thumbs up from God. God, and that that is what all people are longing for and searching for, and we fill it with stuff and achievements and experiences, but really, Jesus knows that what we need is this deep-down reality of knowing who God is and knowing that he loves us and that we're with him. But Jesus goes one step further, and he's like, that's the blessed life, is really just simply knowing God and knowing that you're loved by him. But he goes one step further and kind of lays out, here's how you experience that. Here's how you begin to deepen that understanding. Here's where you experience the presence of God, the love of God, the, the presence, his power in your life. And, and listen, he, he tells us it's not necessarily a path we walk. It's not like a a five-step way of you experiencing God's presence. He doesn't give us that. He doesn't give us a path. He rather tells us a place where when we're in this place, we know God at a deeper level and we see his love for us in a way that, that changes us. And it's a place none of us want to be. And you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but I'm just the messenger, the place where we experience and know who God is and see his love most clearly is when we're in a place of weakness. When we are empty-handed. When, when life seems to be out of our control. Like, look at those words of Jesus and just, like, take them in. Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. In other words, who have nothing left in the tank. They're like, I don't know how I'm going to make it to tomorrow, let alone next week. He says they're blessed, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, who are, who are overlooked, who are stepped on, who nobody gives a second thought to. They are blessed, for they shall inherit the earth. The earth belongs to them. And then he goes on and says towards the end, blessed are those who are persecuted for doing right. Blessed are those who do the right thing, who follow God, and yet everybody hates them. They are blessed. You see, Jesus says that that as we experience this weakness, we actually begin to see who God is because we have a God who doesn't meet us when when we're killing it in our life. When, when we're just rocking it at work, when we're the, being the best parents that we can be, when, when we're being the most faithful and loving spouse, Valentine's Day is coming up soon, guys. God doesn't meet us and show us his power in those moments. Is he there with us? Absolutely. But, but you want to know where we experience his blessing and the blessed life most? It's when we've made a train wreck of everything. It's when we've done things and we're ashamed of it. It's when someone has done something to us and we're hurt and we're wounded and we're wondering, man, how am I going to move forward in this? It's when we are just empty-handed. 
because our God is a God who meets us in that weakness and in that emptiness. Jesus has a very different definition of what it means to be blessed. Blessed is to know him, to know that he loves us, and we experience that in our weakness. I think about it in relation to parents and their kids. Now, if you're a parent um, of a younger kid, you know that, especially when they're really little, we've got little Lizzie, like, she depends on you for everything, right? Like, she, li- she can't do anything at all. She just breathes, eats, poops, eat, all, she just does that, but you need to feed her, you need to take care of her. Like, when they're little, that's what you need to do as a parent, is you're taking care of them, and as they grow older, our job as parents is to pour into them and, and love them and, and protect them, but also help give them wisdom and help them navigate life. And sometimes that means, as hard as it is, letting them experience hurt and pain, but, but helping them put the building blocks in place to, to make better decisions themselves. In other words, we're trying to raise them so that they get out of the house, right? And some of us in here are like, I really wish that day would come sooner. But that's what we do as parents, is we're trying to raise them so they grow in independence, so they grow in their, their sufficiency, and they can navigate life, and, and they don't have to depend on you for absolutely everything. That's a natural progression of life. Sometimes we take that same thing and we think, well, that, that must be what it is with God. What God wants us to do is for us to grow in our faith to a point where where, yeah, we like come to him and, and we call him up like we do our parents every couple weeks and we're like, hey, let's catch up a little bit, let's talk a little bit, uh, maybe ask for some help. But really, they're just there to give us kind of a cheerleading moral support. And we think that that's what God wants of us as we grow in our faith. But I am utterly convinced as we read this and as we read the rest of Scripture, that is not growing in our faith. And that is not what God wants. What God wants is actually us to realize I am more needy than I thought I was. I need him more and more every single moment. I thought I was figuring it out, but oh man, I've been off. I need him. And as I lean on him more and more, as I'm not more independent but dependent, I experience the blessed life in a deeper and more profound way because I need him. I don't grow away from him, but I lean more and more on him. He meets us in our weakness. And if you really take this and let it sink in, the rest of Jesus' ministry, the rest of his sayings, really start to make sense. Because Jesus is really confusing sometimes. And I'm a pastor. I've gone to school for a long time (laughs) Jesus says some confusing stuff, guys. If you ask me a question, and no doubt I, I'm very honest with you, sometimes you're like, hey, what, is pa- what does Jesus mean when he says this? I'm going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine sometimes. Jesus could be confusing. But one of the things that helps us understand what he's up to is when we realize that, that being blessed is being dependent upon him and knowing him in our weakness and knowing him in that, it really starts to help Help understand what he's up to. 
See, as you read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's five, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which we'll hear some of that in the coming weeks, Jesus is laying out God's law or kind of God's expectations for his people, for all people, about how do you navigate money and relationships and, and forgiveness and, and all the normal stuff that you and I experience in everyday life. He's going he's gonna to lay it out and say, here's what God's standard is. Here's what God's way of living is. And here's what he expects of his people. And the thing about Jesus is he takes the standard that everybody thought they knew and he says, you thought wrong. You've lowered the standard. It's actually up here. When, when people would say, hey, just don't murder anybody, Jesus says, listen, you say don't murder anybody, but here's what I tell you. You actually are to not hate anyone from your heart. And if you hate or harbor anger towards anyone, it's just as if you killed them and you stand in just as much judgment of God as if you murdered them. Hey, it's not just about not committing adultery. It's about, hey, if you have lust in your heart and let it go unchecked and, and you feed into that desire, even if you haven't done anything to anyone, it's just as if you've committed it. See, what Jesus does is he looks at the crowd and he says, listen, you thought it was here, but, but for Spinal Tap fans, he turns it up to 11. That's a deep cut. I know I got some of you guys. He turns it up. He makes it more intense. And it's like, why is he doing that? Why is he laying the standard? And he's giving us a guide. He's saying, hey, you should aspire to this. Absolutely. But more than that, he is breaking down the filters that we have put up. Instagram, social media, we put filters on us all the time. We, we present ourselves in a certain way to the world. And Jesus, when he comes to us, his job is to show us who we really are. His job is to show us the, the hate that's in our hearts, the ways we fall short time and time again, so that as we are broken down, we realize, I am weak. I am needy. I am not in as much control as I thought. And he does that not to make us feel bad, but when we're in the place of being empty-handed, what does he do? He then fills it with his righteousness. He says, you have fallen short. You haven't done what you needed to do. You, you hate people. You do all these things. But you know who hasn't? I haven't. I have been totally faithful, and I'm giving to you my perfection. That, that as we come to him empty-handed and hands covered with, with sin and shame and guilt, he comes and says, I have done what you have not and I have forgiven you and I am washing you clean. I am filling you with my love and my grace and forgiveness. And as you see that, you see that you are completely known by him. Jesus knows the, the real you. Like the you that you don't even let your spouse know. He knows the real you. But he also loves the real you. Not the filtered you, not the one that you present. He knows the real you. And he loves and forgives and pours his blessing into the real you. And as you experience that and receive it, you are blessed. Because even though you are weak, he meets you in that weakness. And he promises to be with you 
all of those things he promised to comfort, to give, to strengthen. He promises all of that to you as we lean on him. That, that is the blessed life. To know that, to receive it, and to to live in it. I'll close with this. There's a story that was told of a of a Sunday school teacher who was filling in one particular Sunday morning at Sunday school, needed to go and, and needed to kind of come up with a lesson on the spot, and so he decided, well, you know what, let me, just, let me just ask kind of a softball question to the kids, and we'll talk about it. Let me just ask the kids, hey, how do we get to heaven? How do we get to heaven? And, and he asked the group of young kids, and if you've ever been around young kids in Sunday school, um, crickets is often what you hear, and this was no different. No one was saying anything. They're just silent, and so he's like, all right, let me help them out. What if I, I took all of my money and I gave it away to all the people in need that I could, and I gave everything I could to, to, to make sure that people had enough? Would that get me into heaven? And the kids were like, no. What if I took all the candy in the world and I gave it to all the kids in the world? <laughs> Would that get me into heaven? They're like, no. What if, what if we mobilized and all of our people, we did all the good we could and we, we took care of all the problems in our community, would that get us to heaven? And the kids were like, no. And then he's like, so what gets us into heaven? And one of the boys raises his hand and he calls on him and the boy says, you gotta be dead. <laughs> now, as cute as that is, he is more right than he thought he was. How do we experience the blessed life? In a sense, we got to be dead. We have to come to the realization that we are weak, that we have nothing in our hands. And yet it's those people who know their weakness, who know their nothingness, also see that God has met them in that. And he fills our hands with his love his grace, and his promises now and forever. Amen.